We're learning Chaylik Tazayin, the first Sicha to Pashas Pikudei, and we're using the Lashna Kedish translation that is available on the website of Project Makuta Sichas. Kvanizbar Kamim Rabbis, Sherashi be Perushal Atero, Emed al Kolinin, Shechosr be Bir be Prutishal Mikro, Umem Farshe. As was explained numerous times, Rashi will address any and all in Yonim that are difficult in the simple understanding of the Psukim, and Rashi will be fathers it, he'll, he'll explain it. And if Rashi doesn't have an explanation in the simple understanding of the Psukim, then Rashi will write, I don't know. Because Rashi, as Rashi explains already in Sefer Breshis and Pasha's Breshis, that he set out to explain any difficulty in the simple understanding of the Psukim. And therefore, if we see something which at first glance seems to be difficult in the understanding of the Psukim, and Rashi isn't addressing it. So we must conclude one of the two options. Either that when we analyze the psukim in the simple understanding of the psukim, the question is not really a question to begin with. Or the second option that Rashi already had addressed the difficulty in a previous Rashi earlier on somewhere in Chumash, and that will explain it, so Rashi does not have to explain it again. In our parashies, this is Vayakov, Kudei, there is something difficult, and we don't see that Rashi should address this difficulty. And this is the following. In Pashas Vayakil, the Torah tells us, records how Meshra Rabbeinu gave over Hashem's command about building the Mishkan to the Bnei Yisrael. And when the Torah records how Meshra Rabbeinu gave this over to the Bnei Yisrael, the Torah records all the details. Take the Truma the command to bring gold and silver and all the other materials for the Melechus HaMishkan, for building the Mishkan. And then the Torah records how Moshe Rabbeinu told Ibn Yisrael the mitzvahs, the commandments, how each part and each keli of the Mishkan should be made. And there also, the Torah in Pashva Yakil records all the details. The Moshe Rabbeinu told the Yidin how to build the Mishkan, the Kroshim, the Meneira, the Shulchan, each thing with all the details. And then, the the Torah then continues, the Torah records how the Yidin brought all the materials for the Melech Mishkan. To, for building the Mishkan. And then the Torah continues. And again, 
with all the details. How the Chachmelev, the wise Yidin, uh, was hard. Chachmelev, the, the different Aliyah, Betzalel Aliyah, and the other Chachmelev, how they actually went ahead and used these materials and made the Mishkan. As Hayeriyah Vechulu, as Kalkleha Mishkan, the curtains, the coverings for the Mishkan, and all the kalim, in our Pasha, Pasha Pekudei, the Torah then continues how the, they made the big Akehuna with these materials. It would have been sufficient if the Torah would just write the Moshe gave over to the Nisro all the commandments that Hashem commanded about the donation for the Mishkan and the making of the Mishkan. The details of which are already listed in Pashas Trumo, Pashas Tetzave, and some in Pashas Kisiso. So the Torah does not have to again tell us that Moshe told the Yidden all these things and go on to say all the things again. Rather, the Torah could have just said that Moshe gave over to Bnei Yisrael all the commandments that Hashem gave about the donations and about the making of the Mishkan and its caliph in a all-encompassing short wording and without going into the details once again. And then the Torah could have recorded again that the Yidin then did everything according Moshe's Tzivuy. As Hashem gave over the tzibur of Hashem, but no, the Torah tells us again how Moshe told the Yidden and goes through each thing how Moshe is telling it to the Bnei Yisrael, and then how the Yidden did it. Each thing how they did it. When both of these stories, the Torah could have just written very shortly one pasuk telling us that Moshe gave over to the Yidden all the commandments about the donation and about the making of Mishkan. And then another pastor tells that the Yidin went and did everything according to these commandments. And that's it. Or even shorter. If the Torah would have just said, the Yidin did everything in it to how Hashem commanded it to Moshe. Take Right after when the Torah tells us about Hashem giving these commandments to Moshe initially, if it would have said right there, and the Yidin then did everything in accordance with this, these commandments, we would have understood that Moshe obviously gave over these commandments to the Yidin, and we would have known from this pasuk that the Yidin actually did it. As we find in many places in Torah, and even in these very parishes, we find this style in Chumash. The Torah does not always t- record both how Hashem tells Moshe the Tzivui 
and then how Moshe tells the Tzivu to the Yidin, and then how the Yidin did it. So what need is there to go into all the details again and again? The first repetition when the Torah records how Moshe gave over the commandments to the Yidin, and then another repetition in the Psukim who actually describe how the Eden fulfilled the commandments. Especially in the beginning of Hashes Vayakir, where the Torah starts with this repetition, says Rashi, Rashi tells us, I already explained all the details of the Mishkan, the Nedova and the Mishkan and how to do all these things in Mokim Tzavosom, in the place where they were first commanded, which is the Pashias of Truma and Tetzav, Kisiso. In other words, Rashi is telling us right at the beginning of Pashas Vayakil, I'm not going to explain to you again all the details of the Mishkan and the Kalim and the Big Deakuna and all that, because I already explained it to you. In other words, there's nothing new here. All of this was already discussed. And therefore Rashi tells us, I have nothing to add on to that which I already explained to you in Pashas Trumatetzav so that makes the, the question and the wonderment even greater. So for what reason does the Pasuk then need to repeat it a second time and a third time? All the details. Now, all this is really a very obvious question which anybody who learns the simple psukim, the simple meaning of the psukim, will be confronted with this phenomena and this question. Numerous mefarshim actually deal with this question. And Rashi, silent. He does not address it in any way. He doesn't answer it, not in the beginning of this whole repetition, in the beginning of Pashas Vayakil, and not at the very end, in our, in Pashas Kudde. Now, to appreciate this question even more, the Rebbe contrasts it with in diff- a different situation, where the Torah repeats just a few words. And Rashi is addressing how come the Torah is repeating it. And this is in the Pasha beforehand, Pasha's Kisuiso. When the Torah gives us the Pasuk, tells us the Pasuk of not cooking meat and milk, says Rashi, This is written three times in Chumash. And Ashi explains why it needs to be written three times in Chumash. Although, is four, five words 
And still, uh, Rashi has the need to explain how come that these five words are repeated a second time and a third time in Chumash. While here, there is repetition of numerous parshias, and in Vayakel and in each one has numerous, numerous parshias, repeating in lengthy detail all the details of the Mishkan a second time and a third time. And Rashi is not saying any explanation why the Torah would do that. We might suggest at least part of the question can be understood based on a certain Rashi in Pashas Pekudei. When Betzalel, the Pasuk says that Betzalel did everything in accordance to how Hashem commanded Moshe. So Rashi says on that Pasuk, Moshe When Moshe Rabbeinu told Betzalel the details, so he first told Betzalel to do the Kalim. The Kalim for the Mishkan, the Oren, the Shulchan, the Menorah, Mishkan, and then he told them to build the Mishkan. So Betzalel told back to Moshe Rabbeinu, It is the custom of the world to first build a house and then put the furniture in. So Rabbeinu told Betzalel, you are right, that's really how Hashem told it to me. And that's indeed what Betzalel did, that he first made the Mishkan, and then he built the Kalim. So we might suggest that that is the reason why when it comes to the actual building of the Mishkan, the details have to be repeated. Because only by telling us again the details will we realize that Betzalel actually reversed the order. From how it is in the command in Pashas Truma. And he first did the Mishkan, and then he did the Kalim. But the Rebbe says that that is not a good answer. Because Besides for the fact that that does not yet explain why the Torah has to repeat all the details also in how Moshe repeated it to the Bnei Yisrael, that only explains why in describing how Betzalel actually did the Mishkan and the Kalim, it has to be recorded so that we realize that he reversed the order. But Moshe is giving over the Tzivui, why does that need to be repeated? So that we still don't know based on this answer. But besides for that, 
Even for the third repetition of the actual building and making the Mishkan and the Kalim, it doesn't answer it either. Because Aleph, first of all, that would only require that when the Torah tells us about that specific detail that the Mishkan was built first and then the Kalim, so that is the only detail that we really need for that. But how each Kalim was done and how exactly the Menorah was built and how exactly the Shulchan was built and all their details, that we still don't need repeated again. And even if you want to say that once he mentions the Kalim, he's going to describe also how the Kalim were done. But why does he need to repeat how the big, the Kehuna were done? That's not part of the Mishkan and the Kalim discussion. In that, nothing unique was done by Betzalel that differs from how it is recorded in Pasha's Truman Tetzal. And Beis Ve'ikr, and the main question that if the Torah wants to repeat it just for the sake so that we know that he changed the order and he made the Mishkan first and then the Kalim so that does not require the details of the Kalim and the measurements and all that the Seirem is more than that after all the repetition of all the details, when we come to the Pasuk in our Pasha, where it says that they brought the Mishkan to Moshe, so then Gimel, HaKosim, Mephadet, Shuv, is called Protkat, Barim, Shalom, Mishkan, Mekelo, Bechulu. So here, really, there is an additional repetition it says that the Eden, after they already made the Mishkan, and the Torah tells us by making the Mishkan, all the details, then it says they brought the Mishkan to Moshe, and over there they, the Torah again tells us another small repetition of enumerating the Mishkan and the Kalim. Each one of the Kalim is repeated again. And And only after all that does the Torah conclude that everything in accordance how Hashem told it to Moshe, that is how the Bnei Yisrael accomplished and did the entire Avedah. When really this concluding pasuk is really all that would have been needed. So Rashi does not address it, and that is the main question that the Rebbe is asking here in the Sikha, how can Rashi ignore such an obvious question in the Pshutish al-Mikra, numerous Mepharshim deal with this question and Rashi, not a word. And the answer is very simple and straightforward as the Rebbe is going on to explain, as the Rebbe said in the beginning of the Sikha, that when we see such a situation, it's one of the two. Either Rashi doesn't find this to be difficult, or based on 
precedent and previous Rashis in Chumash, we, we already can understand the answer on our own. And in this case, it's not that this is not a question in Pshut Mikra that the question doesn't begin. It is a question. However, Rashi doesn't need to address it because Rashi already did address it. How so? So first, we have to understand that another thing. The Mishkan and the Kalim of the Mishkan is one of the most cherished and dear things that the Yidden have. Through the Mishkan, the Shechino dwelled among the Bnei Yisrael. And even more, why is the Mishkan called Mishkan Ho'edus? The Mishkan that gives testimony. What testimony? Explains Rashi in our Pasha. It is testimony for the Yidden that Hashem forgave them for the ego. The fact that Hashem makes his Shechina dwell among them in the Mishkan testifies that Hashem was mevater, forgave them for the ego. This understanding obviously raises the importance and how dear the Mishkan is and what a general concept in Yiddishkeit and Bnei Yisrael, what a central role the Mishkan played by the Eden. The Cheto Egel is the arch sin. It is a major Avera. It caused the greatest concealment of Hashem that Rahman even evoked a, an initial desire, so to speak, to wipe out the entire cloud. That even after Hashem already forgave, but the punishment still will continue. As Hashem said, whenever Hashem punishes the Yidin for something, he'll mix in some of the punishment for the ego over all generations to come. So we realize from that the severity of the Cheto Ego. And that appreciation for the severity of the sin makes us appreciate even more that the Mishkan is a major central theme and very special and precious place in Bnei Yisrael. This importance and this cherished status that the Mishkan has by HaKadosh Baruch Hu and by Bnei Yisrael is the reason why the Torah repeats it again and again and again. 
And Rashi has no need to explain this reasoning over here. We already learned this from Rashi in Pashas Chayis Sada in Sefer Breishis. Because over there it says, When the Torah described all the things that happened when Eliezer went in the Shlichus of Abram to find Rivka and bring Rivka to Yitzchak, so the Torah then repeats it, the entire story, everything that happened, with all the details, when the Torah describes how Eliezer told it to the Mishpacha, the family of Rivka. Although over there also he could have just said, Eliezer told them everything that occurred and everything that happened to him on the way, or all the above, the Torah doesn't do that. The Torah says, Eliezer told them, and goes on to explain and to describe again in detail everything that happened. So Rashi over there explains that the reason why the Torah finds it important to repeat the entire episode again is because the Chavivus, because it's such a cherished story and such a special, precious story. Shekane, what does Rashi say? Rashi quotes, Omar Rabbi Acho, Yofesi Chosen shall have the obvious like the Amokin, Miterosen shall bonin. Rabbi Acho taught that the Sicho, the talk of the Avde Ovis, the servants of the Ovis, like Eliezer was the servant of the Ovis, is so beautiful and so special. Lifnei hamokim before Hashem, miterosun shall bonum, even more than the Torah of the children. Shari parshal shall Eliezer full of Torah, because the story of Eliezer is double in the Torah, it's repeated. While many major concepts in Torah and mitzvahs is only alluded to in the Torah in, in a word or a few words, but not described and not written out in detail. From here we learn So we see from that that something that is precious and special by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Torah will repeat it with all the details. Although nothing new and no new insight is derived through that repetition, still, because it's special and dear, the Torah will repeat it. So from that we understand the same thing is true in our case because the Mishkan is so special and so precious that although the Chet Eagle was so severe, nevertheless, the Mishkan served as the conduit to bring about the Ashras Ashkin of the Mount Nesro. So that is what is so special about the Mishkan, both in Akadosh Baruch's eyes as well as in the eyes of Nesro. And therefore, the Torah repeats it. It doesn't teach us anything new. Rashi says in the beginning of Hashem Yaakov, I already explained to you all the details in Mekrem Tzavot where they were first commanded So really Vayakov Pikude is not giving us any new insight not about the Mishkan and not about the Kalim and not about the Big Kahuna 
And nevertheless, because it's so special, the Torah will repeat it. And Rashi doesn't have to spell that out for us. We know that already. Rashi taught it to us in Pasha's Chayisar. Achadayin tzorich lahav. Pirush Rashi zemuchach lechayr lahepech. Shetam ze ene shaykh binyoneinu. One might ask that on the contrary, this Rashi in Pasha's Chayisar seemingly tells us that we cannot apply it over here. Why not? But what does it say there? Rav Acha said that the talking of the Avde Ovis is more precious than the Torah of the Bonim. So that's Kipshutai, simply. The Torah that the, the Bonim have after Matan Torah, we don't find this type of Chavivus expressed which would result in a repetition in Torah. We only find that in Sichas Avdi Ovis. If you look at the simple meaning of the words over there in Rashi Pashtayin So how can you apply that about the repetition, about the making of the Mishkan, which is really part of the Torah of the Bonim already. The Rebbe says, no, that's not true. It is a good explanation. How so? The point that Rashi is making over there in Chai that the sikh of the Avda Ovis is more precious than the Torah Shalbonim is not meant to contrast the Avda Bonim being more special than the Bonim. The contrast is not between the servants of the Ovis versus the Bonim, the Bnei Yisrael after Matan Torah. Rather, the contrast is meant, the contrast of Sicha versus Torah. So there it happened to be the Sicha of the Avda Ovis, and the other side is the Torah of the Bonim. But the point is not the Avda Ovis and the Bonim, the point is Sicha versus Torah, and therefore you can have, even after Mountain Torah, a situation of Sicha versus Torah. What is the difference? Torah, Perusha, Herois, Sivuyim, Vedinim, Torah means instructions, commandments, laws, what Hashem commands us to do and how to do it. Sicha means talking, telling a story, saying something which on the surface level is not a commandment, not an instruction. It is a storytelling, it is a description of a situation, of an episode of something that happened, an action of some sort, and the like. As it was in the story by Eliezer, the Ebed of Avram. What did he tell Lovon, the Suel, and Lovon, the whole family. He told them about Avram. He told them about Yitzchak. 
He told him about what happened to him. How the way was shortened. How Hashem made him meet Rivka and all the details, which is not an instruction. It's not a commandment. It is a story that is being told. How the Sicha of even the Abde Avis how this Sicha, although it is from the Abde Avis, but even of the Abde Avis, which obviously the Abde Avis aren't as special as the Bonim, the Bnei Yisrael, nevertheless, although we're talking about the Abde Avis, but their Sicha can sometimes be better of the Torah, and even the Torah, not their Torah, but the Torah of the Bon. So the same thing is true about our Parshas. Our Parshas of Yaakov Kudai, which are already after the Truman Tetzave Parshas. Because Truman Tetzave is, that's instruction. That is where Hashem gives us the commandments and the instructions about building the Mishkan and the Kalim and all the details. So that's the place where the instruction is given. But these parshies, these parshies are not coming to instruct us how to do and what to do. And if it wouldn't have been written, we wouldn't have known. No, that's obviously not so, because we would have known. We would have known it already from Truman Tetzavit. Rather, these parashiyas come to tell us a story. They describe to us how Moshe Rabbeinu gave over all of these commandments to the Eden and how the Eden fulfilled these commandments. So it's a description of what happened. It's not the instruction. In other words, this is an example of Sicha, not Torah. And considering the fact that this Sicha is not just a Sicha about anything, rather this is a Sicha about the Mishkan, which as explained above, is so central and precious and dear to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Yisrael, Chaviva he called Kach. It is so precious. Which therefore it deserves to be brought with all its details again and again. Rashi mentions who said the teaching that sometimes the Sikh of Abde Ovis is more precious. It was Rab Acho. And Rashi quotes Rab Acho by name. As already explained numerous times, that when Rashi mentions the name of the Tanna or the Amoira, it is because by mentioning the name, it gives us an additional insight and understanding. Because by bringing the name, 
we can understand better the meaning of this teaching. It will further stress the point that the Rebbe explained here before, that the contrast is not the Abde Ovis are more pre- precious than the Bonim, and therefore their stories being repeated, that the contrast is between Sicha and Teira, and that that is the main point. That the point of the teaching is that the Sicha component is so special. And then that that is also the reason that therefore sometimes the Sicha is more precious than the Torah. How will that be better understood by quoting the name Rabacha? Is the following. The Gemara in Yuma quotes a Braise that the Divartobom, we say in Kriyashma, the Divartobom, you should speak words of Torah, says the Gemara, says the Braise, Bon Voleibitfilo, that Divre Torah take precedent over the Avni. Another, Vedibartobom, you have permission to speak in them, in the words of Torah. But not other things. Then the, the Braise continues what Rabbi said. Rabbi said, Make them, the Divre Torah Keva, they should be permanent and don't make them aray, don't make them temporary, secondary. So there's a difference between the first two teachings and Rab Ach's teaching in this price. The first one says, Dibartobon means to negate Tfilo. And the second teaching, Dibartobon, that you only have permission to speak words of Torah, it comes to negate speaking and other words. Rabbi is not talking about negating something else. Rabbi is talking about in what manner should you treat the The fact that Rabbi in his words, is only focused on the positive of what Torah should be like and what Torah shouldn't be like. It should be Keva, it shouldn't be Arai, but it's all talking about how Torah should be. And he doesn't mention negation of anything else. Unlike his the one who argues the first opinion in the Braise that it comes to negate something, it seems that is not negating the The question though is what does that mean? Can we really believe that Rab'ache somehow is okay with 
spending time talking other things, rather the explanation of Rabbi Acha is as follows. Rabbi Acha Madgish, stresses that when it comes to divrateira, we have an obligation to constantly, we are constantly obligated to speak words. Words should be permanent and not temporary. When it comes to other things, you can't completely negate them. Rather, these are stories being told, words of inspiration. And therefore, even such a sicha might be beautiful. And sometimes these words of inspiration and these words of uh, stories being told at times might even be more beautiful than the Torah. Nevertheless, says Rabache, Still, Torah, you should make the permanent state and not Arai. Even a five-year-old can appreciate It is self-understood that a person has to constantly remember and therefore he needs to constantly review and learn and talk about the instructions of the Divrateira, what needs to be done, what is forbidden to be done. But nevertheless, at times, there is also importance to the Sicha components of Teira, words of inspiration, stories being told, and sometimes these are even more precious than the Torah. But nevertheless, the Dibata Bon, more permanently, is the words of Torah. That is what Abache is stressing in that Raisa. Habir basically In the two parshias, Vayakal Kudei, that the Torah repeats all the details of the Mishkan and the Kalim, there are two general points. Aleph, the offering of the heart, the, the investment of the heart in the Nidvas HaMishkan. They even brought all the material very, very quickly and with an open hand, an open heart. That there was a need to make announcements in the camp of Kalisrom. We got everything, there's enough, don't bring any more. And there was extra. That's one, Nedibus Halei, one point. The other point, based, there was a Kiyum Tzive Hashem Al Dechach Meleiv. That there was the fulfillment of Hashem's command by the Chach Meleiv. 
Shaosus Melech Samishkan Vekel of Kehola Shatsiva Hashem, that they did everything as Hashem had commanded. As Hashem commanded Moshe. So there's two components. There's the Nedivus Halev, and there is sticking to what was commanded. And really we see how both had both of these in Yom. Yes, there was an Edivus Halev when they brought the material, but they also fulfilled a Tzibu of Hashem, which is like an Ebed. I'm told to do it, and I'm doing it. Hashem commanded that the Truma should be taken from anyone whose heart will have that Nedivus slave that's giving nature. Take from among yourself this Truma. So it was Nedivus Halev, but it was also Tzivu Yaf Hashem. And also, when the Chach Melev made the Mishkan and the Kalim, although they just followed orders and made as they were told, but also it says, that the Chach Melev, that their heart brought them to work in this work of building the Mishkan. So there was also the heart component. So we have here the Sicha component and we have here the Evid component. Sicha is connected to the heart. We know that the Gemara says, and Rashi says, to speak, you speak davening. So we see that Sicha is connected to the heart. Tfila is the, the avoid of the heart. But The point of Evid underlines the fulfillment of a command. Like a slave, like a servant, fulfills his master's command. So these are the twin yom. Which is the Indian Hasicho, the Kimat Sivodasius and Mishkon, the Evid. And both of them have to be Koilo, both things. They have to be inclusive of both. Shakim Amitsus, Indian Evid, Sarachlius Piyachal in the Divus Halev. When a Yid makes a mitzvah, does a mitzvah, he fulfills a command, but he has to do it with the Divus Halev. He has to invest his heart in it. And on the other hand, in the Divus Halev, when a Yid has a feeling for HaKadosh Baruch still it has to be felt that the reason why he has these feelings and this Divus Halev is because Hashem commanded him to invest his heart into this Avedas Hashem as well. So from this we also have the Hirah in all our Avedus Hashem, that on the one hand, we fulfill Hashem's commandments, but we shouldn't just do it in a dry manner. We should bring our heart into it. And at the same time, our Avedus Halev, Avas Hashem, and Yiras Hashem is not just because these are our personal feelings. We do it because Hashem commanded us.
to develop these feelings of Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem. 